You got a Bible? How many have a Bible? How many charged your Bible last night? Okay. I mean, you're, I, I, I got a Bible that's charged, and it, it's a weapon of mass destruction. I mean, good heavens. It, it, I got two of them in case one goes, in case one goes down. It, this is, hold your Bible up. Say it with me. This is the Word of God. I believe that God is who He says He is. I believe I can do what God says I can do. My heart is open. My mind is ready to be changed by the Word of God. Do you mean that? Okay. Well, if you got your Bible, I'm going to go back to uh, I'm going to go back to a couple things I did last week. I'm going to do a couple things different, but I'm going to stay on this track about how to live a better life. Anybody want to live a better life? Anybody want first class? Uh, listen, I fly a little too much, and I got news for you: first class is better than the back of the plane. Oh well, two or three of you going. Well, what does that mean? It means I got more room. I mean, if you get more room, and you know, they'll they'll they serve you before the plane takes off. Otherwise, you get the peanuts sometime before you land. Bam, right? But I kind of like it when they come back. And, and I've done some overseas stuff. You know, they, if you sit in first class, they give you real plates. I mean, you're looking at me like, well, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, sorry. I like first class. How many like superior, better, quality made? I, I mean, I, I want you to understand paper cup's all right till it leaks. First class. I don't understand why Christians don't want to live their best life. I don't understand why people don't want better. Uh, John chapter 10, verse 10 says, The thief comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. Uh, in the Message Bible, it says, I have come that they may have real and eternal, a more and better life than they've ever dreamed of. Most translation says abundant, but say with me, more and better. I just want to get better and better. I, 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 want, to, I want to improve in my life. I, I want everything around me to improve. I, I, want, I want the best. I, I don't, if you can afford to buy the best, buy the best. I've told Annie for years, if you're going to buy shoes, bubuy the best. You know, I'm very serious. I'd rather you did without four or five and had one. Uh, and I'm, it's very true. So I'm a big proponent in the fact that you ought to live in the best and uh, drive the best that you possibly can. And if, you, if you're not, uh, one of the things I say to people all the time is clean up the one you got. My dad used to say, well, son, why would I let you have another car if you can't keep this one clean? Uh, I can't stand it when I get people's cars and I got to kick the McDonald's cups out of the floorboard to get in. I'm thinking, well, if you don't respect this one, why would you respect another one? I, it just doesn't make sense. If you can't mow that yard, why do you expect to have a better one? Mow that yard. Oh, well, I'm, now I'm meddling. So how to live a better life, how, how, how to improve, how to, how to keep growing, how, 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 how might we do that? Uh, there, I'm going to read a verse out of Ephesians 3.20. It's the verse that the Lord began to speak to me at the beginning of 2019 and called me to remind it to you. And as we come into the fall, I'm going to remind you again. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above. Say abundantly above. One translation says above and beyond. Say beyond. Beyond. Say over the top. I'm, I'm wearing it this year. Above and beyond. All that we ask think according to the power that works in us. Say, say with me, I'm going to another level. I, I'm going to a higher standard. I'm holding my, I want to think better this year than I thought last year. Oh well, I want to love better this year. Than I loved last year. I want, I want to have a better attitude this year 
than I had. Okay. I, I, I get tickled at people my age who start acting like as they get older, it has to get worse. No, I, this is the best I've ever had it. I'm living the best life I've ever lived. I'm happier today. I'm more. Uh, uh, listen, they take those kids home with them. They take them diapers home with them. It, it, it's amazing. It, it is just really. I, we only have to pick up after them one day a week, and that's on Sunday, and that's just because I forgot to tell them to do it. You didn't get it. Now, I'm living my best season. You, you ought to be living your best life. If you, if you live too nostalgically, you miss today. You, you need to be accepting and believing and asking. And last week I tried to talk to you about the way you live your best life is to understand you're blessed. That God made you and he blessed you. And that word blessed is not a greeting or a benediction. God bless you when you sneeze. No, no. Uh, the word blessing means to add value to. That you matter. If you're blessed, someone says you're valuable. That you matter. That you have meaning. That you're important. And God made us and he said, you're the most valuable thing I've made. You're good. You're important. You value uh, and there's too many people that don't know how good they are, how great they are, how God's created them with value and significance and self-worth, and that before you ever do or didn't do, that God has blessed you with his goodness. And the second thing, uh, to bless means to have covenant with. It means that everything, if we have covenant with one another, what's mine is yours and what's yours is mine. God said, what is all mine, I now give to you. Everything in heaven and earth I give to you. God, you're in covenant with God. In other words, all of his stuff is your stuff and all of your stuff is his stuff. You're not, you're not just depending on yourself now. You're living in a relationship that's covenanted. It's cut by blood. It can't be broken out of. God can't divorce you. You're one with God. To bless you means to give value to you, to enter into a relationship with you that can't be broken where everything I have is yours. And thirdly, it, it means to empower it means to give you strength and might so that you can live this life. It means that you're, you're not weak, but you're strong through God for the pulling down of strongholds, that you have the strength to live the life that you're called to live, that, that whatever it is God's called you to live, that you have the power to do this. Look, look at somebody and say, I can do this. Oh, say it to somebody else. I can do this. Oh, you didn't get it. I mean, the little train that can. I can, and I can, I can, I can. You need to be looking at your kids and say, yes, you can. You can rise to that occasion. You, 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 you can get that degree. You can be out of debt. You... Oh, come on. We, we need to understand that whatever God has called us to, he's given us the power to do it. If you're a Jewish person, the worst thing that could happen to you is not have a blessing. That's why Esau got so nervous. That's why the oldest son who didn't get the blessing came into his father and was about to lose his mind. Because if you're a Jewish person, you cannot imagine not being blessed. That, that's, that's scary. To live outside of the blessing was a disgrace. You, you were called as the people of God to live in this. And just to recap, last week I said it, I'm going to remind you of it again, God made, and the very first thing he does is he blessed. He did that from the beginning. And even though Adam messed up, he went and found another man named Abraham, and he started blessing us through Abraham. God never changes his mind. If he decided to bless humanity, he's going to bless humanity, right? And the other thing is it cannot be recalled. Once I have blessed you, Jacob laid his hands, uh, or uh, Isaac laid his hands on Jacob, and he blessed him. Esau came in. He goes, I, I, can't, I can't take it back. There's no take backs. If you're blessed, you're blessed. It, it, it can't be reversed. 
it can't be brought back. And then those people that were walking through and the prophet, the witch doctor tried to curse them. You can't curse what's blessed. You can't change it. If God says you're blessed, you're blessed. There's no witch doctor that can be hired to change it. Pentecostals, I want to just say that again. You can't. You can't, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't. Uh, that's just bad teachings, all it is. So God blessed us in the beginning. He doesn't change his mind even though we're stupid. He, you, can't, you can't take it back. It can't be reversed. Uh, to, to bless, uh, the next thing is God, to bless means to put name on. Uh, you do this and it, invo- it puts the name on. It signs you. It seals you. It's the guarantee thereof. You don't have to worry about the mark of the beast if you've been blessed by God. Again, that's silly teaching. I, 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 listen, I got up this morning. Was, no, it was last night. I was flipping through the channels and there's some dude selling you a, a package for $129.95 about how the end times are going to be and what America's role in the end times are going to be. Can I tell you something? They just want your money because the good book says you don't know. Good book says no one's ever going to know. I can remember in 1988, people started flooding into the church because there was a little book that was published, 88 Reasons Why God Was Going to Come in 1988. Anybody know what year it is? It ain't 88. And the next year, he revised that book and said something about 89 reasons why God was going to come in 1989. And then in 2012, something was going to happen in South America, and then this is going to happen, and now there's this idiot on TV going to sell you another book for $129 about how blah, blah, blah. Can I just tell you, that is just to get your money. I don't care. And I, well, my, my, I don't care. Be silly. But I'm trying to save you money. <laughs> you don't have to worry about the end times if his name is on your life. Listen, the end's coming, and I'm going. God bless you. So I've been trying to talk to you about how to be blessed is to have value. It's to have worth. It's to have meaning. It's to have the name of God put on your life. It's to be linked up, to live in a covenant. And I hope last week I did did that right. This week I want to talk to you about recognize that the way God does everything is by his word. When he wanted there to be light, he said, so he spoke what he wanted and he got what he spoke. I mean, that, that's real simple. God spoke what he wanted, and he got what he spoke. It's it just real simple. And we're made in the image and the likeness of God. God does everything by his word. The psalmist says that by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and all the host of them by the breath of God. I want you to understand that God creates with his words. He creates with his breath. He has a thought. He adds his breath to it, and it comes into being. God creates everything by word and by breath. That's the way God creates everything. He spoke it, and it was done. He commanded it and stood still. I mean, all the waves went silent. All the chaos in the world went silent. When God wants to stop chaos and confusion, He speaks to it, and the storm stops blowing. You do have to understand that when God creates everything, it goes into order. That anywhere there is disorder, that's not God. Anywhere there's confusion, anywhere people are, can't figure out what's happening, that's not God. God always brings order. It always brings stability. It always brings peace. It doesn't bring discord or division. If it does, it's not God. God is always the God that brings... Come on, Dad. When you come home and there's all this stuff going on, in the first thing Dad does is clear his throat? Oh, you weren't raised in the house I was raised in. If dad came in and cleared his throat, you better come to order. Or he's going to put you into order. Some of you need to have, never mind. 
In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And through Him, all things were made. Everything was made by Word. The Word is, if you will, it's the seed of life. It's the embryo. It contains within it everything necessary for you to become everything that you're created to be. In that little kid up here running around named Hoxton, everything was in him when that seed hit that egg and that egg started living. And that's why we believe there's life. And we're not very pro-abortion around here, I hope. I hope we have this ability to understand that when that baby is seeded, that's a life in there. And everything that's in that seed is what is the potential in that baby right there. And that his word is firm. His word contains that life. And if you want to bring his life, it begins with a seed. It begins with something that's spoken into your life. And you are the product today of the words that you have spoken into every area of your life. Because it begins with that. Everything in this world is the product of God's words having been spoken into this creation. And that hasn't changed. It's still true today. So while you're just joking, while you're just cussing, while you're just making up stuff, let me understand you are playing with the divine order of the kingdom of God. That the kingdom of God is done by the power of our mouth. And that if we want to live a blessed life, we have to this day take an account of what's... And listen, I'll be Pentecostal next week. I'm going to teach to you this week. Are you here? I keep telling people, give me a year. Because I promise you every Sunday's going to be a bit different. Give me a year. And if you're evaluating what I do in here on one Sunday, you're going to miss the point. Because I'm going to be flaming Pentecostal one week. I'm going to be coming right at you with the history of God another. And today I'm going to be very pragmatic. Take responsibility for what comes out your mouth. If you want to live a best life, if you want a better life, you have to understand that God created everything by his word. And the Hebrew writer says he upholds, sustains, undergirds, supports it, makes it stable by his word. And that word took upon a body named Jesus, that that word came into reality so that we could taste it and we could handle it and we could see it. Paul writes in the letter to the Romans and he said, God calls those things that is not as though they were. He calls those things into existence. He calls them out. Listen, everybody can observe what's going on. Everybody can see it. But, but, but God calls those things out of what is unseen into a seen reality calls into being what he wants to be into being. He doesn't describe what's taking place here. He calls. Listen, we're supposed to be able to know what our future is and call it out of our future into this reality. Listen, my future is not going to be the sum total of my past. My future is going to be what God has set for me here. God can erase your past and call something new into your life. What are you calling into existence? What are you calling into existence into your life today? What, what, what are you calling your kids? Do you know kids can't edit? Kids cannot edit. If a parent, a grandparent, a Sunday school teacher, a teacher, somebody they respect, if whatever they call you, you can't edit it. Listen, I'm 61 years old. I still can't edit some of the things that were spoken to me as a child. You say, well, you need to get over it. I am over it, but I have memory. I, subconsciously, it's down in there. And every once in a while, I hear certain words, and I remember I was called that. Are you listening to me? Come on, everybody in this room might be going, well, yeah. Yeah, that's true. You hate to admit it, don't you? You hate to get around and hear words and it creates this stuff inside. I'm not in bondage to those feelings, but I have them. Your kids can't edit. Your spouse can't edit. You know how many times I sit back in that room and she's crying because he said? 
sticks and stones may break my bones, but words. That's a lie. That's a lie. Someone told you a lie. Well, I'm just joking. Well, I just, no, no. Then the kingdom of God is powered by the power of words. It's powerful. It, it, what are we calling our spouses? What are we calling our jobs? What are we calling our lives? What are we calling this country in which we live? What are we calling the opportunities that we have? The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will remain forever. How do you live a blessed life? I, I have to just continue to encourage you that the longer I live, this principle becomes more and more real to me. That the longer I live and this body does what it does, I have to get every day and call it certain things. I was talking to somebody the other day. I said, how you doing today? And they said, well, you know, this is just one of those days. You ever hear anybody say that? It's just one of those days. And I said, hey, it's my day too. Leave it alone. Listen, it's my day too. I'm not going to let you trash my day. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. You don't get to trash this day. This is my day too. You need to back up. Let me tell you about this day. Try doing without it. Just try doing it without it. Now that's a bad day. And I can tell you, listen, we need to take responsibility. This is my day. What am I calling it? I'm calling it a good day. I'm calling it a great day. I'm calling, there used to be this restaurant over here. Now they're making a uh, car wash out of it. Yeah, I used to go over and eat. How many of you used to go over and eat? And uh, I learned uh, uh, my grandmother, one of the things my grandmother did when I was a kid is she served in a cafeteria in a hospital, and she would talk about how people treated her when she worked in that cafeteria. And, and she'd talk about, and she'd say, you know, Dwayne, she said, if they talk mice to me, I give them more mashed taters. <laughs> have you ever, how many of you have gone to a buffet? Isn't it interesting? They let you serve yourself the peas. You get to peas yourself. But when it comes to that roast beef, they're slicing it. They're only going to give you what they, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I began to take grandmother to heart. Did you know that if you're nice to those people on the backside of that counter, I bet you a dollar I get 25% more food than you do. I don't need to, but I do. I mean, I'm serious. If you just talk nice to people and give them value and, and don't make them feel like... And, and so I've done that in, in, in those places. And I used to go over that place, and I remember I was bouncing through there one day, and there was this lady in there. I still see her once in a while. I was bouncing through there, and she was putting plop plop. And, she, and I said, honey, isn't it a great day? I said, isn't it a great, it's a great day in Kansas. Look at the weather. And, and she stood there that ladle like this. And she said, you have been out in the sun too long. <laughs> what makes you think it's a great day? I said, well, I've been overseas and I've seen people starving and I've seen people living in huts where the ground was dirty. I, I've, we, we live in America. We live in Kansas. We have the opportunity to work. We have, and I give her a whole lecture about why it's a great day in Hutchinson, Kansas, and I stop, and I'm expecting her to respond to me like, thank you for reminding me. She's standing there holding that ladle. She goes, you're sick. <laughs> she, I didn't change her at all. 
Okay, so I, I get my plate and I get my iced tea. And you remember how you, there were ladies walking around that fill back up your iced tea. And I was pretty dry after that encounter. And I went over and I sat down and I drank my iced tea and set it down. And this little lady walked up and she walked up the table and she said, do you need some more iced tea? I said, I sure do. She said, here. And I said, how's your day going? She said, baby, if I was any better, I'd need two days. I said, man, it's nice to meet somebody having a good day. Would you go tell that lady over there in the counter? She said, no way, I ain't going over there. She said, you go over there, you become just like that. I thought, wow. <laughs> we need to be careful what we speak. We need to be careful the way we greet one another. Children cannot edit. The division that exists in our world today is a result of what we've called ourselves. We've called them, they've called us. We create the division by the way we call other people. We call them that color, they call us this color, we call them that religion, we call them, am I making any sense? Listen to me, I, I'm, I'm a white male living in Kansas and I'm an American, but before that I'm a son of the ever-living God. I'm a member of the kingdom of heaven and that's more important to me than any other label you can put on me. And before you try to start, start trying to find your idea, listen, I was invited to a Jackson Jaguars game on Thursday. They flew me down there, picked me up. Next thing I know, I'm standing in Jaguar Stadium. I'm standing there trying to jinx it because Mahones is going to go in there next week and kick their Oh, no. <laughs> I put my Kansas City Chiefs hat on and wore it proudly. But those divisions... Right? Listen, I'm a Kansas City Chiefs fan. They're a Jaguars fan. But we're brothers and sisters in Christ, more importantly. And we cannot allow our divisions to separate and divide us. What's going on in this country is we keep running our mouth, pointing out the differences. And those differences will keep us from accomplishing the things that would help our culture today. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching well, real well. Well, Pastor, I just want you to talk about words. I don't want you to talk to me about how I live those words. Well... See, individualism, fundamentalism will keep us separated apart. We have to take responsibility for what we call other people. There is an enemy out there trying to rob us of our blessing. There's a thief that's trying to steal this life from us that we have been given, and we can't allow that thievery to continue. We have to recognize that the words that we speak and that others speak are robbing us of the blessing and of the potential that we have in our lives. And many times, the words that we're speaking to one another is the problem. There's a great story in the Bible. I love the story. Here's the children of Israel. They're coming through this valley, and they're going that direction, and Balak decides to go hire a witch doctor named Balaam, and he goes and gets Balaam. Simple little story here. Balaam's on his donkey, and he's walk, going towards this job interview so that he can go curse these people, and, and, and God speaks to the donkey. Sometimes God can't get your attention, so he speaks to the donkey you're riding in on. How many have ever been thrown off something? How many had your, row, your, 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 your life derailed? How many had something just keep going wrong and you keep stopping your, and your way kept being stopped and you just can't figure out because God might be stopping you from going down that trail? Maybe it's not God. Maybe it's God talking to the donkey you're on and you're too dumb to hear it. Sometimes God will affect your plans because he's trying to get your attention and you're not listening. So he'll talk to the that you're sitting on. You fill in the blank. 
And the donkey kept balking because the Bible says the angel of the Lord was in front of the donkey, impeding the forward progress of the prophet that was riding the donkey. And eventually, the guy on the donkey realized the angel of the Lord was there. And the angel of the Lord looks at the witch doctor and says, now listen, you're getting hired by that guy to curse my children, but you're not going to be able to say anything that I don't put in your mouth. Did you know God will change the words of a witch doctor to line up with him so that you remain safe? It's interesting. I wonder how many times he's trying to change you, what you're saying, and he keeps stopping the donkey because, are you getting the correlation yet? And anyway, Balaam goes up and he gets way up there in the mountains and he's up there and he's getting ready to send down this curse on the children of Israel. They're just down here walking along. And he gets up there and every time he opens his mouth, he blesses and he says, God is not a man that he should lie. If what he is blessed, I cannot curse. And this is all going on up there. And here's the people down here just in the valley. Can I tell you something? We're just down here in the valley minding our own business. We're just down here in the valley minding our own business, just going our own way. And there's stuff up there in the air that would try to harm us. There are principalities and powers and rulers of wickedness in high places. And they're up there trying to stop the blessing that we have. They're trying to stop us from progressing into a better life. And the answer is not to go to the mountain. The answer is not to go up there and get on their level and argue with them. The answer is not to rise to what they're doing. The answer is to remain true to the calling that's on our lives. Because we're down here with priests whose hands are raised. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you and grant you his peace. And can I tell you the power of blessing in a community of faith is more powerful than the witch doctor on the mountain. And that while we're paying attention to what's going on up there in the air and all of that down here, honey, if we'll just stay true to what God said and understand that the words of priests speaking over one another is more powerful than that stuff up there. That we've allowed ourselves to get drawn up into a warfare that is not ours. Ours is to walk in the obedience of blessing one another. For today, I have called you kings and priests. Everyone in you in this room have been called as a king and a priest of your own life. And you can begin to speak over your life and over your family and over your church. Because listen, you don't want to be in this alone. You need to be within this in a community of people that understand the power of blessing one another in the name of the Lord Jesus. Because I have news for you. There are systems and archetypes and things in the world that are trying to draw our attention out of our community and into something, honey, we don't want to be in. But the power of people blessing one another is greater than all of the things that are being happening to try to harm us. We need to trust in the kingdom of God. We need to trust in the simple little plan of living in the midst of kings and priests speaking good of one another, encouraging one another, calling those things that be not as though they were. Come on. Listen, I'm being practical this morning. You need to go home and speak good things over each other. You need to call up your grandparents. You need to call up your neighbors and speak good things over them. You need, you need to be... People keep trying to get me to enter into stuff. Can I tell you, I ain't entering into it. I ain't got time to enter into it. I, I can remember having 105 teenagers, two busloads that we had driven from Kansas to Guatemala. We'd driven down there. And I had 105 teenagers and about 27 adults. 
And we're walking these streets and we're walking down in and you can see these fires coming out over here and over here. You can see this smoke and all the people that were hosting me. Oh, there's, there's witch doctors over there and they're killing cats and they're trying to curse us. I said, they can't curse us. Now just pay attention. And man, they kept running to me. These Guatemalans kept running to me and they kept telling me. I said, they cannot curse us. If you think I was loud now. Whew, I had 105 kids. I said, this is stupid. Heather was with me. This was stupid. Anybody in here? Anybody else? With me? I went right out in the city. Nick was with me. I went right out in that city square and started. It went right. I can't hear you, but I know you. Say it again. It, we flew in. Did we fly into Guatemala? Oh, that's right. We did. And there were all this stuff. And I remember going, they can't do that. And that night, we'd been to pray for people. I began to go out in the street. Remember that city that night, son? It was raining out in the streets, and we got out in the street. Listen, anytime they think they can do that, you need to go right into it. Just, just keep being blessed. Just pray over people and keep. They can't hurt you. Stay focused on blessing. Stay focused on being who we were called to be. We're supposed to be blessers and not cursers. We're supposed to be laying hands on people. We're supposed to be. Here's my question. Where are the priests of the 21st century? Where are the priests in the church? Where are the people in the body of Christ that have committed to say good things and not bad? To stay positive and not negative. To stay. Man, we, we need, I don't know about you, but I need people that just are always blessing. Blessed and highly favored. I, I mean, I, I, Peter says it like this, you are a Royal, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people called out of darkness to proclaim his praises. Every one of us in this room have the ability and the potential to call praises. I, I Listen, I, I'm charismatic. This church, we sing, right? We sing. I think it's actually easy to sing praises to God. I actually think it's easy. I don't understand why you're not jumping up and down doing cartwheels. I think it's actually the easiest thing to do. But you really want to praise me? You, re you really want to praise who I am, make me feel good? You go grab one of those grandkids. You go grab one of those grandkids and you start praising one of those grandkids. You hold that grandkid up and go, you look just like your papa. You are the, you're just the most handsome thing I've ever you are so good. You have so you start praising one of my grandkids, and honey, you're praising me. You're open. I'm going to be opening up every cupboard I have to pour out more on you because you're. Are you listening to me? You want to praise God? Start praising His children. You want to love God? Start loving on His children. Start with the person beside you. Start with the person home. Start with me, for heaven's sakes. But but start bragging on God's people. Oh, you're not listening to me. It's easy to do this. Honey, find somebody that's lost. Find somebody that's the least. Some, find somebody that's the lowest ebb of their life. Find somebody that the world cares nothing about. Find the person laying on the side of the road in the ditch. Find the person that nobody else likes. Love on that person. Can I tell you something? The power of God will go. You want to get out of your little pity party? You want to come out of that? Go love on somebody else. I get tickled about people who want to see the power of God. And all the while, they're dancing around their own little thing. 
Let me tell you, God does not guide with his gifts. I get so tickled people coming up to me, they're charismatic. God doesn't guide with prophetic utterances. He does not guide with dreams and visions. Go read the book. The Bible says he guides you with his spirit. He guides you with himself. It's a relationship with God that guides you. All the gifts of the spirit are just chocolate on top. Are you listening to me? If you don't have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, you're never going to be guided. You're depending on the manifestation of the gift and not on the relationship of the God. Depend on the relationship of God. He's the one that believes in you and calls those things. You're not going to guide people by, by, by mm, I have a new dog. I finally got to choose my own dog. Left turned. You didn't see it coming, did you? It is a communicational skill. It is. I practice it. I learned it from Ann. No signals, no breaks. She's going here. And I'm going, what? <laughs> I have a new dog. I've always, for 40 years, I've had to have hand-me-downs. <laughs> Stephen was depressed in his junior year of high school so Heather wanted to know if she could get him a dog. She came back with two <laughs> ugly Labradors named Dante and Dion. One of them was a devil. <laughs> and they shed hair. I love Dante and Dion. And then, then Nicholas and Kelly, they, 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 they had boxers. And they moved to Florida and took the grandkids and left the dog. <laughs> and... And I, so I've, I've had hand-me-downs all my life. I've had to, and I loved them, but I have my own dog. I've, I, we had an old English sheepdog when we first got married, and I've been wanting an old English sheepdog all my life. And so, I, you know, I have the best dog in the world, a cat named Fred. And female. Female named Fred. Smoky Fred. So I, I finally got to get a dog. And I, so I got a female sheepdog named Charlie. And... And I'm reading books about how to train Charlie. And I, I mean, I got three books on my Kindle for OESs. That's Old English Sheepdog. Took me four pages to figure out who they were talking about. Oh, yes. What's an OES? OES. And it, and it says that Old English Sheepdogs are the best house dog in America. And they respond to positive. Don't ever shout at the dog because the dog will, will get depressed. So don't shout at the dog. Always be always inspire the dog always speak in a tone that lifts the dog up and always and so I'm reading that book coming home yesterday on the plane and it says that sheepdogs can read your face you're never supposed to frown at the sheepdog because the dog knows when you're smiling so every time you're talking to the dog you gotta be smiling like that so now I'm walking around the house like this come on Charlie let's go I look like a complete idiot don't I I'm down on the floor with this sheepdog going, you weren't supposed to do that here. Come on, let me carry you outside. <laughs> I mean, I'm a big man of faith, but I'm, I'm carrying this dog that messed in the wrong place, smiling at it. You never get the right behavior you want by yelling at anybody. Come on. You need to be smiling at your children. You'll be talking nice to one another. If that's true for an old English sheepdog who's a dog, how much more true 
is that to us? How much more real? Hmm. That's fine when we talk about us. How, how, many, how many of you suffer from the four S's? Stuck in the stupid, silly stories you tell yourself? How many of you are stuck in the stupid, silly stories that you tell about yourself? I mean, literally, you just kind of go into and you tell yourself that stupid, silly story that you've been telling you. You're no good. You're never going to amount to anything. Nobody likes you. They're never going to hire you. You're a reject. You. And, well, last time I tried this, this happened. And, well, everybody else I know, they died. And she's stuck in the stupid, silly stories that we tell ourselves, that those things are subconsciously then in there because our parents never listened to pastor preach about how he was supposed to call their children. And they called me everything they shouldn't have called me. And now I'm stuck in the stupid story. That's hard to get out of, isn't it? We're stuck down in those things. And that means that we have to begin to say different things to ourselves. The Bible says there's one who speaks rashly, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Say it with me. The tongue of the wise brings healing. You want to tell a wise person? They're always working for the healing of other people. Pleasant words are honeycomb, sweet to the soul, healing to the bones. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them out of all of their destructions. Listen, our words have the power to bring healing into the lives of other people. Maybe we ought to begin to speak words of healing and graciousness. Maybe we ought to be smiling at people. Maybe we should understand that if we want miracles to take place, we have to be responsible for the atmosphere that we create because life and death on the power of the tongue and I don't know about you but I haven't got time to deal in anything other than life a wholesome tongue is a tree of life Proverbs 12 says an anxious heart weighs a man down but a kind word cheers him up listen we might be able to put the drug companies out of business if we just say cheerful things to one another anxiety is on the rise in America Everywhere you look, you can Google and you can see another article written about anxiety. Everybody's preaching about anxiety. How about just trying to cheer one another up? Perhaps if we just said cheerful things to one another. How could I cheer? You know, well, I don't know what to say to them. Ask them. What would cheer you up? You know, sometimes it's the little things that you, I can remember. I'm a reader. I love reading. Uh -uh. I'm sitting in my room one night, and I'm reading this book, and I'm about to get done with it. And I can see Annie walking through the house, and she's walking through the house. And I, but I, I only got 12 pages. Okay, I'll go pay attention to her. When, and finally, the Lord said, would you please go pay attention to her? And I put the book down, and I went in the other room, and she's in there, and tears are in her eyes. Can I tell you, it's not the big things you do in your life. It's the little things that you're willing to notice when people need to be cheered up. You understand we're responsible for the anxiety level of people around us because we don't say cheerful things. I'm just here to cheer you up. I'm not here for anything else. I've walked in enough hospital rooms to know I'm not the doctor, but I can be the most cheerful person standing in the room. I can be the most pleasant person they met today. I can be... I can speak nice to Charlie. I have one of those cars where when the phone rings, you know, and everybody can hear it. Comes on the other day, about a year ago, we're going to the lake, thing comes on, and it says, you have a call from Lovermore. Avery Quinn and Cooper in the back seat, Lovermore, they're giggling. Who's Lovermore? And I, I talked to Annie and hang up, and Avery goes, Papa, you have a lover? I said, yeah, I have a lover. You can hear them giggling in the back seat. 
Pretty soon the phone rings again, and I said, this is the proud papa of Avery Quinn. And they're giggling in the back seat. We pull over to get some candy or whatever it is they wanted. We pull over to get something. We walk in, and this lady starts talking to Avery because she's the cutest granddaughter in the world. And they start talking to Avery, and Avery's just talking. Avery will talk to anybody. And, and the lady's going, who are you? She said, well, that's the proud papa of Avery Quinn, and I'm Avery Quinn. Man, this lady's paying attention now, and they kept talking. And, and she goes, and my papa has a lover, too. <laughs> You're laughing. Your anxiety just got, did you get that? And I didn't even have to tell a dirty joke. Let that sink in a minute. See, the way we talk, the tones we talk, that environment that we create. Hmm. Where do I go? Ann and I were living over on 10th Street. We didn't have anything. We were living in this little shotgun of a house. It literally was two boxcars tied together that they had put tuba sixes up and made a roof on top of it. But it was two boxcars. The wind, Annie would say the wind would blow on the south side of the house and the sheer curtains would sit out here about halfway. And it blow out to the side. And I remember we went over and preached one Sunday night. And there were 20 people there, maybe. Maybe. And we came home and we had this little TV in our bedroom. And John Jimenez pastored the Rock Church out of Jersey City. Powerful church at the time. And he got up and he read this verse. And I want to read it to you. It's found in Psalms chapter 25 in the Living Bible. Where is the man that fears or reverences the Lord? God will teach him how to choose the best. I was 27, 28 years old. I sat up in bed. I don't even know how to choose what's good for me. I don't even know how to choose the best. But if you reverence God, he will teach you how to make the right choice. Anybody in here need to know how to make the right choice? Any of you facing choices today and you just really don't know what to do? The man that reverence worships, takes responsibility for the way he speaks, takes understands that what comes out of our mouth is honorable to God. The man that reverences God, he'll teach him how to make the right choices. I was sitting in bed grabbing for notes. He shall live within God's circle of blessing. Man, I underlined that. I went and circled that. If you can make the right choices, you will live in the circle of God's blessings. This is 34 years ago. Do you know that your choices determine what circle you live in? And those choices are predicated on who you reverence. And who you reverence, you listen to. Listen, I've been preaching all morning to get you to understand if you'll take responsibility for the words that come out of your mouth because that's the way God does stuff. That if you reverence what God has said, you'll take this message and not just talk to me about how good it was or how bad it was or how unexciting it was. You'll take it and begin to apply it into your life. That's reverence. Reverence is when we begin to recognize how powerful what we say is. And when we do that, he says, those choices will take you into the circle of his blessing and his children will inherit the earth. I had four, three and a half little children at the time. I wanted my children to inherit the things in this world. I wanted my children to have what's best. 
I wanted my children to be the head and not the tail, above and not below. I wanted them to be blessed going out and blessed coming in. I wanted what's best for them. And I had to start by taking responsibility for the words that came out of my mouth. It was that simple. And yet it is that profound. I have found out that if you don't tell somebody that you're saying a profound thing, most of you miss it. (laughs) It's profound. You can alter your world in the next seven days by taking responsibility for what comes out of his mouth. You can begin to create an atmosphere that allow you to step into the circle of God's blessing and it will allow your children to inherit a blessing. Friendship with God is reserved for those who reverence him. Can I tell you the number one thing in my life today is I have friends everywhere. Friendship is the result of living in that blessing. Friendship. If you begin to live where you're blessing other people and cheering other people up, encouraging other people, come on. There's very few of you in this room that haven't got a text from me, a card from me, something from me. I'm not telling you something I don't live. As often as I can, I'm trying to text, check on. Maybe it's been a moment since I've done it for you, but in seasons of your life, I try my best. Notice how quiet it gets. I'm telling you, if you make it a habit to do that, you'll have friends in your life. You'll have friends in your life. Can I tell you what makes life a blessing is friendship? It really is. And can I tell you, we're all headed towards a valley that we're going to want friends. Oh. Listen, I've stood in a room where there was no one. I've stood at that moment where death was imminent and there was nobody around the bed. And I've stood in a room where everybody was around the bed. Can I tell you what's better? Can I tell you what's better? When you have to pass through this thing called death, what's better is that you're surrounded by people that you've spent your life loving and blessing and who at that moment are praying for you to have an abundant entrance into eternity. That's more and better. I'm working towards that moment, Brian. I'm going to have to make that journey someday. I want to be surrounded. I want to be circled. Oh, notice how quiet it gets in this room. This isn't just about having pink Cadillacs. This is about living a good life. Living the life that's best. And being able to step through that final door into something that's even better. I'm not preaching to motivate you. I'm not trying to get you to name it and claim it. I'm trying to get you to live the life that God's called you to live so that you can pass through death into the life that he has guaranteed for you. It starts with your mouth. Mm, It's quiet in here. It's one of the reasons why, listen to me, I'm not getting engaged in the conversations of the next year. I don't care. That has to do with the things in this world. I'm only focused on the kingdom of God. I don't care. You don't want to engage me. You don't want to mail me anything. You don't want to send me anything because I don't care. I got my eyes on him. And I'm going to tell you something. You'll be healthier if you do the same. Oh, well. This is good stuff, even though you come back next week, I'll be Pentecostal. (laughs) Paul writes and says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth except for what is good and necessary for the edification of others and imparts healing to them. 
Isn't it interesting? Moses tell Aaron to bless the people by lifting their hands and say this. And the last little thing is, and grant you his peace. Say his peace. The first thing Jesus says when he steps into the upper room is he breathes on them and says, peace be to you. Wow. Jesus came preaching peace to those who were far off, doing good and healing all. The manifestation of the word of God through Jesus Christ had one true goal, give you peace. The blessing, the blesser came to bless you with peace. Nothing missing, nothing broken. To be so blessed and so at peace that nothing around you. Are you getting any of this? When we bless other people, we bring them peace. When other people bless you, doesn't it bring you peace? When they say good things over you, doesn't it bring you peace? Come on. Other people. Anybody got a sticky note? Left turn here. Nobody got a sticky note. Terry was right there in first service, had a sticky note. That's what I want. I want that sticky note right there. Give me a sticky note. Let me tell you how, how to. This, this one's best. I like this one. This one's hearts. Let me tell you one of the things that I give it back to Jenny when I'm it, this let me tell you how to bring peace in your life right now. Take a sticky note. Write the names of the people of whose opinion you really care. The people whose opinion of me really care will fit on a sticky note. Because they're the people that will bless me even when I mess up. They're the people that love me even when I mess up. Some of you care too much about opinions of people that don't really. Are you listening to me? Now take another sticky note and write the people that you have made it up. You have made it your will in life to bless. You've made it your will. Can I tell you, I've written all over mine. I can't get more than about ten it's my, I can give about 12. He had three and 12. Let me tell you, too many times we try to be too much to everybody. Keep it on a sticky note. When you're feeling down, call somebody on that sticky note. It'll work. Again, I'm being real pragmatic this morning. I'm going to leave you with these three things. How, what, do I do, Pastor, to have a better life? Number one, make a quality decision to be somebody that blesses other people. Make a quality decision. A quality decision is one from which there is no retreat and no return. I made up my mind, 1987, listening to John Jimenez, I was going to be a person that was encouraging. I was going to be a person that blessed other people. I was going to be a person that said good things about people. I made a decision. I've had lots of opportunities. I've actually failed. And I had to go back and repent and start over. But make a quality decision. Like Cortez hit the sea and he burnt all the ships because he said, boys, we ain't never going back. Listen, I ain't never going back. If you think you're going to change my philosophy and my theology today, I ain't never going back. I'm going to speak grace to people. I'm going to speak goodness to people. 
I'm going to speak kindness to people. I'm going to call those things to be not as though they were. I'm going to smile at my dog. You ain't getting it. I'm smiling at my dog when she leaves me gifts I don't want. I have made a quality decision that that dog's going to know that I love her. That dog's going to want to do what I want her to do because I love her. Number two, be single-minded. Be single-minded. A double-minded man is unstable in all that he does and should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Be single-minded. I'm single-minded. What does that really mean? That means that when you're over here, be the same as when you're over here. That means you can't play with the silly stuff stuck in your head that you just got to be single-minded. Make up your mind and then stay single and stay focused on it. Don't get focused on anything else. My friend Terry, he's a chiropractor. You know, he walks into this office and just people, and walks into this office and just people, walks into this office and just people. It's very clear what he's doing. I have one of those lives where I, I'm on the phone to this person, on the phone to that person, counseling this person, going to the hospital, that person, trying to write a sermon for this. I mean, my life is spread all over 100 million things, but to be single-minded is to be the same in each one of them. Be single-minded. Be the same at home that you are. Be the same at church that you are with your kids. Be the same with the kids that you are at church. Oh, well. If you're having troubles there, just let your troubles be here too. Just be honest with yourself and get better. And number three, listen to the Holy Spirit. There's so many voices out there in the world today. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Nick and Kelly were at the house Sunday night, and the kids, and they had phones. Every kid's got something, right? Everybody's got one of these things or one of those things. And we're talking about phones, and I don't know. I'm not even paying any attention. In fact, I wouldn't even tell the story if Nicholas hadn't told me, Dad, you got to write that down. And we're talking to the kids, and we're talking about phones, and something was said about Papa's phone. I said, well, when Papa grew up, I had one phone. How many grew up with one phone in the house? I grew up with one of them phones that you went, one ringy-dingy. You went. How many of you had to start dialing all over again? How many of you had to start dialing all over? Right? I think I'm going to bring one of them phones, set it up here and see if a kid can use it. <laughs> had one phone, and, and the kids go, one phone? Yeah, and I said, it hung on the wall. Now, it had a 40-foot cord because Dad was going to wander around the kitchen, right? He'd go, oh, I, I can remember my dad cooking eggs and talking on the phone. Like, that's horrible. I said, that ain't even the worst part. I said, that, that, that phone served six houses in that little community that we were in. We were on a party line. They said, a party? You could party on the phone? I said, well, uh, I mean, there were the Moors, the Powers, the Browns, the Lasleys, the gas station over the hill, and I can't remember the old man's name because I don't think he ever used it. But we were all on the same line. You pick it up, you hear Mrs. Brown talking to... And, and, and we each had our own distinctive ring never forget ours. Ours was a long, a short, and a long. Ring, ring, ring. And that meant somebody get the phone. And you'd hear every time somebody else got rung. I got news for you. Annie, and when we were dating, Annie and I call each other just to breathe. Some of you never been in love like that. But at 17, you just called each other just to Hi, 
Hi. Miss Brown, get on go. Hang up, hang up. I gotta make a call. Hang up. This is long distance in those days. Dad would be going, hey, how long were you on that phone? But if you got on that phone, you better understand whatever you said Mrs. Brown was listening to, and she's gonna tell all 259 people in Severgansis. Everybody gonna know your business. Number three, you better know how it is God rings into your life. Yes, God speaks to everyone, but he has an individual ring for everyone in this room. How does he get your attention? Does he have to knock you off the donkey? Does he have to talk to the donkey? What's the ring? What's that tone? And you know that you better stop doing whatever it is you've been doing, and you better go answer the phone. You better listen carefully. That's point three. The 3.1 is before you open your mouth, you better know Mrs. Brown's listening. Somebody always listening. That mic is always on. Those words you say, they're going out into the air. They're going out in the air. They're having an effect. This isn't a joke. They're going out there. Some of you, I want to tell, Facebook is not your diary. Would you please be nice to yourself? Buy, buy, buy a book. They sell them for 99 cents at Walmart. Write your stuff down and put it in your dresser drawer and lock the drawer because it's scary. Facebook is open mic night. And sometimes we don't care about your opinion. If you had a bad day with the grocery store lady, don't tell me. Tell her. I don't want to hear it. Number one, make a quality decision from which there's no retreat, no return. Number two, be single-minded. Be the same. Grow. Number three, watch your ring. If you'll do that, take responsibility for the words that come out your mouth. If you take responsibility for the words that come out of your mouth, you can make choices that will put you in the circle of God's blessing and your children. Listen, some of the things I say or don't say have to do for my kids, not 